welcome you to West Hill. My name is Zach. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to meet you if you're a guest today. And uh, we're glad that you are here. So, how often do you think about heaven? How often do you think about heaven? That was the first question that we've asked in this series so far. And we really want you to consider that. How often do you think about it? Do you think about heaven daily? Does it cross your mind weekly? Or have you, do you find yourself only thinking about heaven at funerals? You know, because it's really, it's, it's, it's front and center in those moments. Because we're all wrestling with what happens after this life. So how often do you think about heaven? When you get a scary diagnosis, when there's bad news, do you know what heaven will actually be like? And these are really important questions that I think we need to answer. If someone that you loved asked you the question, what is heaven like? How would you answer that question? What would your answer be? How would you respond? And that's what this series is all about today. The best is yet to come. It's a series all about heaven. And we believe that Jesus talked about it. And if Jesus talked about it and it was important to him, then we must talk about heaven as well. And so in part one of the series, we, we learned that we can hold fast to that promise that Jesus gave us of heaven. We see that from John chapter 14. But we also know that Hebrews chapter 10 tells us to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. That Jesus is the one who has made the promise about heaven to us, and so he will be faithful, and he will remain faithful to come through on that promise. And so we learned last week that our view of heaven should influence what we do. We looked at that from Colossians chapter 3, and we, we looked at how we need to set our mind on eternal things, and not on the things of this world. But Jesus told us in John 14 that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And heaven is for saved people, for those who have believed in his gospel and who've called on Jesus to save them from their sin and to give them an eternity in heaven. And so that first question that we asked is really important, but the second question is just as important, and that is what does heaven look like? What does heaven look like? What does it look like today, right this very minute, as we sit here, as I stand here, as I speak to you, what does heaven look like right now? And even though we're given information about the current heaven, not much is taught on it inside of the church, which means we tend to fill in the gaps or culture will fill in the gaps. And, and, you know, I mean, we see this, you know, for centuries we've seen this from paintings in the Sistine Chapel to what we see in ancient caves and, and things that we've seen in the History Channel. There's so many creative ideas on what humans think heaven actually looks like. If you go to a bookstore or if you just, uh, not many of us go to bookstores anymore, so if you go to Amazon and you type in books about heaven, over 3,000 search results will come up if you type in books on heaven. There are even a few people who have claimed to have gone there and come back. And they've written some New York Times bestsellers and they're sitting on the beach somewhere. And so I don't know 
I don't know what all that means, but what does heaven really look like and whose description can we actually trust? Because heaven is not what most people, even most Christians, actually think it is. It is for sure not what the movies have depicted for us. It's not just some long, boring church service, and we're not just floating around in, in, in like white robes with no feet. And although that may not be such a bad thing if you consider the other place that we could be going, but a lot of Christians have unintentionally developed a really messed up view of what heaven really is. So I want to do a quick Bible recap just to catch you up. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 tells us about a perfect world where God lets man rule that perfect world. And, and he comes down to that place and he has fellowship with Adam and with Eve. And his plan, his intent, was for them to stay in communion with him forever. But you know, they, uh, th that didn't happen. But they didn't just sit around and play instruments in Eden. They didn't just do boring things. The place was filled with life. The place was filled with purpose. There were animals to care for and name. There was work to do and there were things to create. But this all changed when sin entered the storyline and one day we know that that will all be redeemed and made right. But until that day, everything is dying. It is fallen. The world that God created and intended humans to live in, it wasn't filled with death. There were no droughts and tornadoes and hurricanes and, and wildfires. But praise God, his word tells us that there is something better. That if a believer dies today, we go into what scholars call the intermediate state or the present heaven. That's where you would go today if you died. The place that, that we would call the current heaven. But the Bible also tells us about a heaven, a new heaven and a new earth. What we call the future heaven, which is the beginning of eternity. After the timeline of apocalyptic events, when it's all over and it's all settled for forever in heaven, heaven will come down to a new earth and the original plan will be in place once again. And this will be a place that is filled with creativity and purpose and music and food and galaxies and relationships and adventure and worship. It will be a place that is beyond our wildest imaginations, the way God had intended for it to be from the beginning. You see, our God, he spoke this world into existence. He created man from the dust, and he wants a relationship with us. He wants to be with us. God first proved that by creating us in his own image, and not just more angels. Because if you read the storyline, he could have just created more angels to bring him honor and to worship him. But he continued to show his desire for us by coming down and walking with Adam and Eve, his creation. He cared about man so much that he would come to this earth and pay the price for sin by living the perfect life that we couldn't and then promising to prepare for us a place to be together with him forever. And this promise is available to anyone who would repent of their sin believe in the gospel, and call on Jesus to save them. In this new heaven and this new earth, there will be no separation between us 
and this holy, perfect, loving God. And so all of the things that have been undone and every hurt caused by Adam and Eve will be made right. Now it's hard for us to sometimes imagine what heaven will be like when we only know this earth. Our only reference is, is what we've experienced. And so I want to take some time this morning and, and really dive into what God's Word has to say about heaven right now. Now the series and the main goal of this series is to talk about the future heaven and what we have to look forward to in the future. But I feel like we can't talk about the future heaven if we don't first answer some questions about what's currently happening. So as a Christian, if, if you drop dead right now, what would happen? Like, what would immediately happen if you were to just leave this planet right now? Jesus actually gives us a little glimpse into how some of this happens and what takes place in Luke chapter 16. And you don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen. But it says, Jesus says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Here's what we know. When we die, the angels will take our souls to heaven. Your current body will, will stay here and your soul will go with the angels. Now, some scholars say that we might have some sort of temporary body, but no one knows for sure. And I'm not sure what that actually looks like, but it sounds cool nonetheless. Uh, many of you know I, I've uh, recommended this book by Chick, Chip, Chick, Chip Ingram, and it's called The Real Heaven. And a lot of the content from this series is from that book, and I would encourage you to pick it up and read it. But he tells a story about the Aka Indians. And if you know the story of Jim Elliott and his ministry partners, and they went to this, this unreached people group to proclaim the gospel. And, and later, Elizabeth Elliott would go back to these Indians, and they would minister to them, and these Indians would give their lives to Jesus Christ. They would be saved. And they, they tell the story later on about what happened when they killed Jim Elliott and his, and his friends. And it's, it's, it's kind of a stunning moment when you read it. But it says that when they had killed Jim Elliot and his, and his friends, that they heard, they heard singing from the trees, and they could see what looked like white angels, and they came and they took the souls out of those missionaries and went away. Now that sounds crazy, right? I mean, it sounds like, man, these are some crazy things, but... And, and while we can't take every person's word on what they say they saw or experienced, it does agree with what Luke records in Luke 16 that Jesus says. That when we die, the angels take our souls to paradise. Notice that our bodies, they don't make the trip with us, just our souls. We know from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that our bodies are resurrected later and then eventually made perfect. And so that's the first step. There's something else that Paul records in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. When we leave this earth, when you leave this earth, we are in the presence of our Lord. So, we learn from the Bible that the moment that we take our last breath, we, we, we take a ride with the angels. We don't sleep for a while. There's no stops at our favorite places. 
There's no conversation with St. Peter at the gate to see if he's going to let us in. It's a country song if you didn't catch that. We are immediately in the presence of the Lord. Now, in both the current heaven and the future heaven, we, we will have some kind of memory. We see this throughout the storyline of the scriptures. As a believer, when you die, you don't just float around in a state of confusion. You will still be conscious, able to think. You'll still be you. Now, although it's possible, since we, we don't have actual physical bodies, our soul may have some type of temporary body structure or, or possibly some orb-like presence. I don't know. But regardless, I believe the Bible teaches that we will be cognizant. And most scholars would agree that we'll still have our minds and our memories, and this agrees with the passage that we, we have in, in, in Revelation 6, where we're told that the current heaven has saints who have been martyred for their faith who are still crying out to God for justice. There's no memory wiping except in the future heaven where there will be no painful memories. And scholars believe this based on what Jesus says to the rich man and the poor man, that they were aware of their past. But 2 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 12 remind us that we will give an account for our lives while we were here on earth. You can't give an account for something that you can't remember. And so we'll still have our memories. One of the questions that gets asked a lot is, will we remember our, our loved ones in the current heaven? And I think so. Matthew 17 communicates that when Jesus had been resurrected, the, the disciples could still recognize him, that he still has nail scars in his hands. There's still a pierced side on Jesus, and they could still recognize him. King David makes it clear that he will one day return to his son who died, and he will be reunited with him. Now, we know we won't be married or given in marriage. We won't be married to who we were married to on earth in heaven, but I think we will still remember our loved ones in heaven. Another thing that is certain is we are all going to be welcomed into heaven. 2 Peter 1 tells us that we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which once again would communicate that we're still awake and we're conscious when we pass from this life into the next. You can't richly welcome an inanimate, mindless object. Um, one thing that I love, and I've read this so many times, but... Heaven is currently celebrating salvation. Luke 15 says that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels when sinners on earth repent. Now, could those rejoicing in the presence of those angels in the presence of God be those who have gone on before us? Absolutely could be. And perhaps those who are rejoicing in heaven are loved ones from the past who were praying for you when you stepped from death into life. And so that's some of the things that we see that the Bible tells us are happening in the current heaven. But I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 4 because John gives us a snapshot into some of the things that are happening right this very moment in heaven. And it may not seem super exciting to us here in 2022, you know, living in this world, but it's, it's just, it's wonderful, it's a wonderful picture into what we see happening. And so the angels take you into God's presence. You can still hear, think, remember, and have emotions. 
And this is what's happening. Revelation 4, starting in verse 1. After this, I looked, and this is the snapshot that is given to John. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Now, no one fully knows or understands who these elders are. There's a lot of speculation, but that's a study for another time. Maybe you would enjoy diving a little bit deeper into that sometime. We'll know when we get there. That's how I look at it. Verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, did you notice what word shows up in this storyline? The word thrones. It's mentioned seven times. The one worshipped is on the throne. And not just any throne, but one that is surrounded by, by a brilliant emerald-like rainbow. This throne is terrifying in the best way. With lightning and thunder and torches of fire that represent the Spirit of God. And all of this really just goes to show how glorious and majestic and magnificent our God really is. But what does it mean when someone is on a throne? What does that mean? It means that they're in charge. It means that they are ruling. And one of the first comforting things that I see in this entire dialogue here is that we see that God is there and he is controlling everything. In the times when all that happens after I die seems like a really big question mark and, and it's filled with some uncertainty, I can rest assured that my God is in charge of it all. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. And before the throne, there was, there was, it, I could see a glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. Weird. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, which is an example that there is, there is time in the present heaven, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So in this stunning crystal sea are some interesting Narnia-like creatures whose sole purpose is to announce God's holiness 24-7. In heaven right now, this very moment, as we sit here together, there is a song being sung that never ends. And it is a song that is focused on God and His perfection and His holiness to the one who truly deserves it. It's, it's a truly amazing thing when we think about it. That for thousands of years, this has been taking place in the current heaven. 
flip over to Revelation 5. Something else that I want you to notice. We'll begin reading in verse 6. And before the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. This is Jesus. With seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So here we, we see that the prayers of saved people are stored and it appears they are treasured. Now, I don't have a golden bowl, but if I did, I would probably only keep things that were super, super special inside of it. Verse 9, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From where? The USA? Israel? Nope. From every tribe and language, and people, and nation. The book of Acts will tell us, many people keep saying, Are, is Jesus going to return tomorrow? The answer is probably not, because not every nation has been reached with the gospel yet. Jesus, he was slain, and he, and he spilled his blood for every tribe and every nation. And you have made them a kingdom, and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. Then John says, I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. Now we may not fully get it today. And I, some of us get it better than others. But one day we will. One day we will fully know and we will fully understand. But this is the granddaddy of all worship services taking place. There's a verse in Psalm 22 that makes it clear that God inhabits the praises of his people. You know how it feels when we sing that song, Living Hope, every Easter, and you can just hear everyone singing, and we get goosebumps when we're worshiping, all of the, when we're all together worshiping? This will be even more amazing than that moment. I mean, can you imagine... Verse 12 says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That's what's happening right now as we speak in heaven. Sounds pretty awesome. You see, the current heaven is a placeholder for eternity. Some things to remember this morning. As followers of Jesus, when we take our last breath, the angels will take us for a ride. And we will be in the presence of God immediately. And you will be aware, we will be aware of how truly amazing he really is. And we will be overtaken by his beauty and his glory. And we will be in awe because we have a relationship with that God. It will be a wonderful moment. This 
intermediate heaven throne room is beautiful. This current temporary heaven is full of peace and amazement, of holiness and gratitude for all that God has done for us. And although life can be hard, and there can be some very challenging seasons in it, we have more than enough to be thankful for that could fuel our hearts with joy to live this life. Because God has done more for us than we deserve. We know that we don't have a normal body, or maybe not one at all, but we will be with myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands of people who are worshiping God. And here's what makes it hard for us, because we won't, we won't have the same earthly perspective. There's nothing more that we're going to want to do than worship Him for who He is and what He's done. So just for now, in this current heaven, that's what's happening. So my question this morning for, for you is are you ready for that heaven? We believe that every Sunday is someone's first Sunday, that there is someone in this room today that is not positive. They are not sure that this heaven is, is a place that they're going to go to. And you may have a lot of reasons why you have questions about that. Maybe you've never been taught. Maybe you've never been to church. Maybe you've never heard the gospel. Maybe you still think, hey, I, I'm living a good life, and so I, I think that I'll be able to go experience this really cool place because I, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying not to lie, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to honor and obey my parents, and I'm trying to do all these things. And so I, I think I'm going to be there, and, 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 and those, are, those are noble thoughts. But God, because he loved us, he, he brings clarity to the process. That he doesn't just want us to live in some state of confusion. That he has provided, he has made a way for us to know if we will go to this prepared place called heaven. We've already talked about how God made mankind in his own image. And he had a perfect relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden. We are all descendants from Adam and Eve. But we've inherited a sin nature. And that sin nature separates us from God. His holiness, his beauty that is displayed in in Revelation 4 and 5. But he comes to this earth through the person of Jesus Christ. God's son comes to this, work, this earth. And he lives the life that we couldn't. He never sins. And he pays the price for our sin by giving up his life on the cross of Calvary. And he does that so you can be ready for eternity. Because there are two eternal destinations. We have heaven and we have hell. Those who are apart from Jesus, who don't know Jesus, they spend eternity separated from God in hell. Those who have believed and repented of their sin go to heaven. So are you prepared? Do you know Jesus? Once again, it just proves God's deep love for his people to extend an offer for you to be saved today. So will you be saved? And maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian. And we talked about this last week, that our view of heaven influences what we do today. 
So are you living in such a way that you're building up treasure in heaven? And are you living in such a way that those around you can see that your citizenship is not in the good old United States of America? But it's in heaven. Are you living in such a way that God gets all the honor and all the glory? Are you proclaiming this good news of the gospel to those who, who are not going to be there with you if they don't repent of the gospel and repent of their sin and trust in Jesus and believe the gospel? Are you building relationships? Are you sharing the story of the gospel and are you bringing others to come and see and to come and know? come and experience. I hope you are. And I hope this series is not just some information, although it is a very informational series. I hope it's not just another series for you to, to be like overjoyed about heaven, and I think that's a good thing, but what happens so many times with Christians, and John Piper writes about this, is, is we tend to get really comfortable and really complacent in this Christian life. And, and we, we decide, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna spend my life on the, on the beach in the mountains, and I'm just going to kind of shuffleboard and golf my way and into the presence of Jesus. John Piper's words, not mine. Send him an email. I'm not picking on any specific thing. But we tend to get very focused on our lives today. When if we read the Bible, we can see that there is something so much better that the best truly is yet to come. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we're thankful this morning for the little glimpses that you give us in your word of what is to come for those who know you and who are known by you. And so God, we are reminded of how beautiful this heaven is going to be. This current one is going to be amazing, let alone what you've promised in the future. So God, I pray that we as your people, who you have ransomed by your blood, would live with an eternal focus. As hard as it is to live in this life and to be distracted by so many different things, your word reminds us to set our minds on things not of this world. And the reason why we're challenged to do that is because the best truly is yet to come. You've promised us something so much better. And so, God, I pray that we as your people would live for that something better. And, God, if there is anyone in this room this morning that does not have that relationship with you, they are not saved. They have not confessed their sin and called on you to save them. God, I pray that they would be saved today. Lord, we're thankful for the hope that you've given us, the life that you've given us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.